Welcome everyone to the Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. I don't want to hear another sound out of you. Not a moan, not a grunt, nothing. But if you can be good, I might just have a little treat for you. The Punisher podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 107, Crosshairs, is brought to you by Colonel Bennett's Ball Gags, the only way to keep your mouth shut. Wow, Pete, you you went there and you doubled down. Um, yeah, this was quite the episode, uh, certainly continuing the contrast from the other things going on in other areas of the MCU, uh, certainly different from Star Wars, uh, The Last Jedi, which we look forward to seeing in podcasting later this month but uh pete anything else you want to say intro wise before we dig on into this uh this episode there's not an episode of this show that makes it more different from anything going on ever in marvel tv than this one i will add to that uh this is an episode that made me ask myself the the unequaled wonderful nature of the agents of shield uh uh framework story arc and all that it had to say about our society last season uh will the potency of that fade in time whereas this season at least thus far through the first uh, seven episodes this season of punisher uh, i think this will stay evergreen in its in its dark mirror no pun intended that it's holding up to our to our society to our state of affairs so that's a long way of saying this is fast becoming perhaps the best single season or the best story arc, however you want to divide it up versus the the larger stuff on ABC. But one of the best seasons of Marvel TV ever, certainly. Take us to the recap, Matt. The episode opens with Lewis scrubbing himself after the murder of O'Connor. He makes his way home, hands bloodied, to find his concerned and loving father. Dad is worried that Lewis will hurt himself or perhaps someone else. Dad gives Lewis two sleeping pills, hoping his son can at least start to sleep and relax. Lewis takes them, then goes to his basement room, pulling out his handgun, putting it in his mouth in a long shot that makes us stare into his pain. He ultimately takes the gun out, taking us to the title card. After it, we'll stay with Lewis. Uh, after some sleep, he and his father talk about the famous Ali Foreman boxing match, the lesson from it. Ali had to change up his game, had to evolve in order to survive. Ali and Lewis needn't be weak to change, but change they must so that you can fight for yourself. Time goes by and Lewis goes shopping at a local hardware store with perhaps the most frightening reveal in the episode, that he is building a pressure cooker bomb. At the Department of Homeland Security, Billy Russo stops in to see Madani. He wants a smooch, but she just wants updates about Frank Castle. Russo says there's no proof that Frank is anything other than dead. After he leaves, Stein pushes back to Madani. The secret of Frank being alive is something that the two of them both carry, and it seems that she is playing fast and loose. Later, as Madani reveals the evidence about Gunner's death, the penny drops for her. She grabs Stein out to the hall and reveals that she thinks her office is bugged. After a time, she and Stein find the bug, showing that she's not crazy. Elsewhere, Micro and Frank start in the garage, uh, Micro cooking while Frank works out his healing body. Their plan, attack Colonel Bennett to find the location of Agent Orange. Micro has Bennett's schedule down pat, 
including his regular Saturday night <clears throat> entertainment. In Agent Orange's luxurious CIA safe house, Orange digests Gunner's death as the end of Madani's trail of evidence. Orange would have preferred that the loop be closed further with Billy killing Frank, perhaps via sniper. Billy chides Orange. Isn't uh, he more of a hands-on guy? Didn't he like killing by hand in Afghanistan? After all, every man has his thing. Speaking of which, on Bennett's base, Bennett has his own thing, which involves a young lady and him, shall we say, not being in charge. Podcasting is suddenly a much less strange hobby after seeing this episode. <laughs> Storylines converge as Frank approaches Bennett with the lady friend yelling, he's here. Frank roughs up Bennett, giving Micro three minutes to clone Bennett's phone. During that time, four hostiles attack Frank, though he's ready with smoke bombs. He takes them out with non-lethal force, as it turns out, which works out well for the last hostile, who is Billy himself. The base goes on lockdown, and Frank is stopped by a lone soldier, a lone young man doing his duty. Frank ultimately shoots him too, and later on, with Micro and the phone successfully cloned, Frank says it's time to start shooting anyone who's in his way. Later, Orange, Billy, and Bennett have a gab fest, with the conclusion being that Bennett is going bye-bye via Billy and a ticket out of the country. Turns out instead it's a ticket to a dirty motel, Bennett's lady friend dead, and Bennett stabbed to death at the hands of Billy. All this said, though, Frank gets enough information uh, to suspect where uh, Agent Orange is. He sets up shop with a sniper rifle and fires, but it's a CIA safe house after all. The bulletproof glass stops the bullet, the property lights up, and things aren't looking too good for the Punisher as we wrap up this episode, Pete. Yeah, uh, obviously lighthearted and, and, and full of just uh, good old-fashioned fun, but uh, I think... Maybe where it doesn't have a place in uh, your recap, we have to talk about a couple of deep, meaningful, maybe not so even plot-driven conversations that take place in this episode. It is so rare, particularly in, we'll call this superhero genre, even though I think obviously with The Punisher in particular, we're far from, we're far from, you know, capes and tights and whatnot. Um, but it's so rare to have character moments for the sake of character moments. Usually it's, it, it's a character moment with some sort of, some sort of story purpose. Instead, we have a scene like, uh, micro being worried that Frank is going to kill Bennett when he gets his blood up and Frank on his high horse, you know, can you micro do what Frank does? Can you kill people? What do you do when you get your blood up? Um, there's another scene later on where it's uh, micro and Frank talking about getting his old life back. This wonderful anecdote from frank that uh as a marine you can be in afghanistan for 15 months your pregnant wife turns into a woman and a toddler before you return a lot of those moments pete yeah and then you bring up uh madani and stein having the discussion outside of her now confirmed to be bugged office um about how that job isn't compatible with family really with people yeah now you might say well that ties into how she's acting with uh with billy i mean it, it builds off of that but it's not it doesn't change her direction any we already have sensed that she's with him in bed for pleasure she's letting him into her apartment also to get that first look at 
Frank's files to get a lead on Frank. It's two separate things, um, her physical pleasure and her job. It, it's not a combining of the two where, oh, work friend is becoming a, a home friend or that kind of thing. Again, it, it, in an episode that has so much plot stuff going on and is so tight for it to take these moments that don't feel muddy, that don't feel slow, and to just let these characters breathe, it really is astonishing. It is. And then when you evaluate the the really dark from a uh, villainy standpoint, things that are going on, you know, you mentioned the pressure cooker before and Lewis is face to face with his father in in two scenes. Yet he, he's doing that. Um, Billy Russo and William Rollins continuing to work this problem of Frank Castle trying to eliminate him lest they're taken out. I mean, if not for that um, pane of glass at the end of the episode, he's done. And now it's, you know, Frank and, and Billy, if, if Billy thinks that Frank suspects him. Um, and then you've got uh, Colonel Bennett, who's uh, just a disgusting human being separate from the world that we are living in that we are watching from this is an episode that that continues the theme of of this season of the punisher to really hammer home all of these people are 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 not good people uh billy the billy the veteran uh now appears to value uh you know money in his business more than that that intangible brotherhood of the marines agent orange completely corrupt and and a very high operating government official uh bennett you know has a has a thousand men hopefully it's people pete now when he said men hopefully he was merely being a bit sexist but he has has a thousand men and women working he did say it to his dominatrix though so (laughs) you know the guy has a skewed uh (laughs) uh perspective well and that's my point you know his skewed dominatrix shall i assume for hire is that somehow sexist classist i i don't know i don't know which ist it is pete can i assume she was for hire or they just two crazy kids who happen to fall in love over that uh listen while there are people who like that and and do it legally uh and that's fine um this woman clearly uh wants his money there's no way she's doing that with him for free (laughs) well pete with all of this mire here where should we start as we talk about villainy as we talk about villains (laughs) who's the top who's the bottom I don't think it's a top or bottom. I like to go as they're presented in the episode and, and Lewis here coming home with blood on his hands, with no shirt on, with a visible wound on his abdomen. And his father is so blinded to the help that his son needs um, that he's not asking the questions that you know inevitably end in tragedy which I think is, is an issue in our country. Um, we want to love the sinner but hate the sin, but will ignore the sin or not see the sin. Now, that's a really interesting perspective. Here is a, here's a slightly different one. He comes home no shirt on, agreed. He comes home with a, a minor cut on him. Uh, I'll grant you two, it's cold out. It's, it's at or near or after Thanksgiving. 
dad does not see the blood on his hands. I think that here was my take. I think that dad is so overwhelmed and doesn't know how to get his son the proper care and fears fears most of all that his son is just going to up and disappear or up and do something awful. And that's where I think you, you have to enlist the help of professionals and, and that's possibly if not the toughest call a parent would ever make for his or her child. The idea of this person needs help. You need to intervene. Um, and, and we all know the, the terrible truth already that he's murdered a man. He even tells his father, you don't know the terrible things that I've done. And now he's building a pressure cooker as the decomposing body in plastic sheeting is still in O'Connor's home. So, you know, what will happen there that's not taken place, we still can't talk about. Yeah. And I mean, the, the whole arc of Lewis, I appreciate that they are going there, that they're making us confront oh, yeah. these issues. Um, it's, it, it, it's maybe the most frightening storyline that the show has because absolutely for everybody else. Okay. Let's see, Pete. I know nothing about the future episodes. Um, likelihood that Frank Castle makes it to the end of the season. Pretty high likelihood that agent orange gets it at the hands of the Punisher. Maybe Billy, but at the Punisher, but at the end of the season, also pretty high. Um, you know, these are kind of, I can only be so worried for these characters or, or be so surprised by, right. oh, gee whiz, Pete, they didn't kill off Agent Orange halfway through the season. You know, I mean, some of the Marvel shows have done that, granted, but you get the sense of the pace here. He's the big bad until the end. I'm not going to be surprised that the the sniper's bullet didn't work. I continue to be surprised by and be heartbroken from this 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 state that Lewis is in. Yeah. And then you juxtapose that with a Billy Russo who's now openly participating in this campaign against Frank Castle, albeit, you know, he's got the helmet on when they storm uh, Bennett's uh, office, his his area there on the base and. You know, we hold that secret back uh, a, a little bit longer until that betrayal is revealed. Billy, perhaps after Lewis, of course, Billy is perhaps the the worst villain in the episode. Betrayal? Because, Come on, man. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Judas, we had it in the title previously. You know, hell, the bottom circle of hell is is reserved for the worst criminals of all, and and those are betrayers. Yeah, like, if he's going to participate in this attack on Frank Castle, which, you know, in, in, in different circumstances would have resulted in his death, heck, I didn't see a single camera in or around Bennett's office, aside from whatever feed Micro is using, Billy did not need to take those shots at Frank as he ran away. As far as I'm concerned, Billy no. was, was shooting with intention to kill. And let's look at it this way. Had they caught him, it's not as if Billy's not going to speak and tell those other guys, all right, let's do this, let's do that, let's do that. Um, so Billy was intent on giving up his involvement in this, in that raid. Yeah, so if, if you want Frank Castle dead, when you met him at the end of the last episode, Orange is right. Take out a gun and shoot him or plan better. Have a sniper there. Don't suddenly have your your taskmaster in, in Agent Orange reminding you 
about those sweet government contracts that come Anvil's way to give you the the, the courage, the, the the financial courage, whatever you want to call it, to to now be participating in taking him out. Um, you know, I I can look at Orange as the big bad, but at least he's operating under a certain skewed set of principles, but set of principles nonetheless. Same thing with Lewis. I think he is clearly in need of mental help but he's viewing the world a certain way and now particularly in light of dad's speech with, about the ali fight and changing in order to survive he's operating under a, a set of principles albeit devolving and destructive ones it's billy that can't pick a damn side here and then when you look at rollins and you see him in the trappings of excess i mean at a at a shinier and, you know, not as debased level than a Bennett, um, you know, here he's got this CIA safe house and, you know, when the bullet doesn't come through, all these floodlights come on and whatever's going to take place after that, that's going to try to, uh, catch up with Frank. Um, and then an element like this would be in our, uh, you know, top levels of operational government. I mean, we watch this because it's fiction, though there are elements of truth of it. And you just really hope that in the goodness of human beings, that there would not be some kind of tale like this. Particularly odious to me is this idea that uh, to hide the fact that, that Bennett's base came under attack not only from Frank Castle but also only the high you know the highest highs know that there was this attack of four four people led by Billy Russo um and and the base failed at that but now it was actually secretly a a, a spot check and it was a you know a full speed test you know what do you say to that young man who was shot in the tunnel uh or, or is he now is he now somehow brought into it and told to you know told to say that there was an accidental weapons discharge or something like that. Otherwise next stop you get to guard, you know, get to guard the North pole by yourself or something like that. It, it's, there's this growing mire that this episode hammers home on where, where once you've made this wrong choice, it's spreading and it's spreading and it's spreading. And look at what Frank has now decided for himself that He's going to shoot that soldier next time that anybody who stands in his way, whether, you know, they are a brother soldier or they're Billy Russo has to go down in order for him to accomplish his goals. I think that line is so important because it really hammers home something that we've discussed before, but now it's time to, to discuss it again. Frank Castle is a villain in this show, too. Yeah, we root for him. Yeah, it's John Bernthal who wants to do right by by law enforcement and military personnel and just as an actor give himself over and who has appeared so humble on that stage in New York Comic Con several years in a row. Still, the, the correct response to this is not that the lowliest private guarding the, 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 the least way out of the base you know, now should should be at the receiving end of lethal force, um, or even non-lethal force. You know, a shot to the gut or a shot to the uh, to the to, to the the Kevlar is 
now an an open option and not an option of last resort, that's scary too. Yeah. And, you know, maybe the only thing that helps to make it comic booky is that you've got someone in Bennett at a at a fictional fort here, Fort uh, Brian, um, who is in charge of a thousand people yet gives up the control with his dominatrix here at a at a fancy dinner where he's wearing his uniform and his ribbons and everything else again you do whatever you want to do dear listener you go have your yeah. your, your your consensual fun how, any way you want to listen if, if if that's how you get down man so long as you're not hurting anyone else who isn't asking to be hurt <laughs> But, but I mean, I mean, to me, there is the the uh, in this episode, there's the umbrella of you're you're not protecting those thousand people by by taking your eye taking your eye off the ball, no connection no. to the ball gag, but you know, and then particularly this this violence that rains down on the base, it's it's the collateral damage. It's that guy in the tunnel, and thank goodness it wasn't more people. Yeah. And, and what's the outcome? Uh, he's, he's murdered, uh, by Billy at the behest of Rollins. There was never a plan to get him away and, and retire him. Um, so just further calamity as a result of this whole thing that Rollins and Billy and Schoonover, uh, and Bennett have, have been part of. And that's probably a perfect springboard to talk some theories here. Uh, clearly, talking of growing collateral damage, clearly Lewis has something in mind with that with that pressure cooker. And mm-hmm. I wonder how quickly the average viewer put that together. I mean, the music certainly pays a, a large part to it. I couldn't help but think, you know, if you remember that news story, dear listener, of the the guy who had done pressure cooker bombs, one in New York city that got a little bit more attention than the other down at the Jersey shore uh, uh, by and, us <laughs> yeah, and failed at both. Cause that's what you get. You SOB. Um, yeah. That the one that down the Jersey shore, that's next town over for me and two towns, yeah. two towns away for Pete. So again, I'm not saying, you know, I know the pain more than, I mean, my goodness, you think of the, the, the Boston marathon and people like that, but just, it's in an area of my consciousness. I'm curious where it is for other people, where at a certain point you go. I mean, as soon as I saw nails going into the, the plastic bag, it was like, this is, this is not good. This is He's out to now hurt people. Chicken. Yeah, it was, it was not good. And my only hope, Matt, that some shred of Lewis might in some way be salvaged. But then again, he's taken a life. So, you know, from a moral standpoint, it's, it's difficult, um, even on these shows, but, you know, is he going to cast O'Connor as the radical, uh, as someone with the bomb making material and the bomb in order to push himself out of suspicion? I appreciate so much that the show has the bold vision to not give us any good answers. If he frames yeah. O'Connor and then walks away scot-free, he still is a deeply damaged person who needs yeah. help. Yeah. If 
if if he kills O'Connor, if he's the you know, if he draws attention to the oh, we had to kill him over a fight because there was this bomb here, and then Lewis gets the help he needs, O'Connor is still dead. And yeah, he was a jerk, but you know, I, I mean, it's it's awful to lie about your service, but that's not as bad as killing someone. So I'm not going to feel any. I'm not going to feel that the debt was paid. Oh, Lewis killed him, but it's a success story in the end because he's going to get some intensive you know uh inpatient uh therapy that sort of thing none of these answers are good and i'm okay with that particularly you know the the wisdom of the mcu and and by repetition the the tv version of it is that you get all these different perspectives it doesn't feel like the same thing every time there's not a good ending for lewis period i hope i hope there's some kind of good ending for uh for frank castle I wouldn't be shocked if this ends with micro really dead, you know, micro dead for real, that kind of thing. I mean, they have a right to make this entire thing a tragedy, even if there is room for season two. Yeah. And the, the victories that happen on this show are often small and short lived. Um, even the finding of a bug, because what does the finding of a bug in Madani's office give to her? OK, I found this. Who put it there? How much of our operations and our movement are they aware of? I like that a result of those questioning, uh, those questions is that it's going to draw her and Stein closer together. And let me stress purely as professionals, I love that scene in the hall after they found it where it really, really is the case that the show is not going for the easy, you know, is there a sizzle in the air? Uh, they don't even go for any, you know, guns a blazing because intercut with them sitting there it's soldiers coming or that kind of thing it's just two near equals she's the boss but they're they're partners in this endeavor just two people talking and digesting this yeah and i I think it's it's real it's authentic and it's funny because i really did not care for stein early on as a character and and we still know shockingly little about him I hope that does not become a betrayal. Uh, I hope it's not his bug, um, which is certainly something I think the viewer has to consider. Um, But we want to root for him now. Um, We want him to move on with Madani and to be successful and to prevent further bloodshed. Uh, But here's a guy that, you know, he had a date. And uh, as he brought up earlier, you know, people like him don't often have dates. And, uh, you know, again, it's something that turns into a defeat, even in the face of, all right, we found the listening device. It would behoove the show to not have betrayal at every last turn. You know, Micro has betrayed his family to a certain degree, you know, with the truth. And Billy has betrayed Frank and you know, and so on and so forth. If there's some episode 110, the Stein reveal that he's been, he's been Agent Orange's number two all along, cut to Sixth Sense style montage of Stein in Afghanistan laughing and, you know, like, I think that wouldn't do the show well. Let Stein be the one guy who's the work a day, you know, the, the workaholic, just normal guy who doesn't have intrigue surrounding him, who's been pulled into this, who's a proxy for the audience, Please, not Stein. Leave him alone, everybody. <laughs> let's let's hope, right? <laughs> let's hope in an episode that that essentially is about 
having a, a, a losing sense of hope. We're losing hope in Lewis. We're losing hope in Frank. We're losing hope in in at least Madani being able to control her situation. Uh, we're losing hope that Agent Orange is in anything less than 100% control. Um, it's an episode that's about hopelessness, Pete. It's a downer of an episode as wonderfully constructed as it is. And I think it gives you that nihilistic sense that Frank has. You know, here he gets the shot, the gratification of finally taking that shot. Like how much of Frank's existence has been getting him to this point. And he hits it head on and it's unsuccessful. Particularly, you think it's not. I mean, he starts to say, you know, one batch, two batch. And I'm sure that if we were watching that with a great big audience, you know, that would be when everyone starts cheering. So they're building yep. us up to yep. knock us down. But you also think of the last time he took a sniper shot uh, at, at the beginning of the season. It's yeah. this great, you know, across the U.S.-Mexico border and getting comic bookie. And, yeah. and now this is not, you know, it, it, this again, bravo to this show. It has become something they have not done yet, which is hard. They've done so much. <laughs> Yeah, our our hero, who increasingly it is difficult to root for him as a hero, though root we do, uh, our hero 100% fails and misreads the situation entirely. Um, because the minute that there's that chunk and you see you see uh, Agent Orange just standing there, it's like, duh, it's a safe house. Of course it's yeah. safe. It's a CIA safe house. <laughs> it's in the name. Of course it's going to be bulletproof glass. Right. So... Yeah, Frank in failure. I suppose hope shall have to still spring eternal, though, Pete. And uh, speaking of hope, speaking of never letting us down, who is that, Pete? That would be the good people who are able and willing to contribute to Fantastic Geek via patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek, all one word. Um, particularly this time of year, the season of giving, uh, for podcasts, it's the season of taking where they come and collect all this stuff because of the amount of bandwidth that we have for the 13 podcast feeds that uh, we have going, including three concurrent shows. So uh, we're super grateful uh, more than ever, given the uh, the amount that's on the tab this year. Absolutely. Always appreciated. And always free, Pete, is being able to talk to you on Twitter. How can people do so? You can find me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, -E 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 9,675 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast any way you like. We are Fantastic Geek. That's fantastic with a P and an H. Visit us at fantasticgeek.com, email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are fantasticgeek as well, as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash fantasticgeek with the PH, all one word, like it today. If you are listening to us on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, I know we will be back on Tuesday talking Runaways. Pete, when will we talk about The Punisher next? We will be hitting Punisher 108 on Wednesday of this week, and that's going to be December 6th. Exciting times indeed. Pete, the best present of all will be the happy ending that we see shortly before 
Christmas season truly arrives here. So please be a happy ending, Punisher. Please, oh, please. <laughs> we'll just have to see. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. Look at the mess you've made. <laughs>